Well, hey, Woodside family, what an incredible day it is to worship God. I'm so glad that you have gathered together with other believers to lift up the name of Jesus. And I hope you are absolutely experiencing the joy of Jesus today. You know, I'm really excited to be able to delve into the word of God with you. For those of you who uh, know me, you know my passion for helping to lead our church in the word. But for guests and visitors, I just want to take a moment to share with you a little bit about why we do these video-based sermons occasionally throughout the year. You know, our primary way of discipleship, of uh, leading our churches is through uh, live preaching and teaching and local pastoring. And the reason why we do that is we believe that's the best way and the most biblical way for you to grow. It's through having fellowship, in person with other believers being led out by a pastor who knows you, who loves you, who's praying for you. And I'm so grateful that your campus pastor and their families do that. You know, we are blessed here at Woodside across all of our campuses to have pastors and pastor's wives and families that carry you in their hearts. So often I meet with our campus pastors and they share with me the burden that they have to see uh, the members of uh, their campuses grow in Jesus and the deep love they have for you. And so please know that occasionally throughout the year we have this format, but primarily you're going to be led by pastors who know you, who love your family, who are so happy to lead you in your journey with Jesus. Now, why do we do this, though? Well, we do it because we believe that it's important that a few times a year, as one family, we are led through the Word of God together. And I'm going to do that today. But before we get into the Word of God today, I do want to invite you to tonight. Tonight is our annual celebration. It's going to be absolutely incredible. You know, it's one of those times a year where we come together as one church family, all of our campuses, to worship God together, to thank him for what he's done over this past year, and to look forward to what he's going to do in prayer and in thanksgiving. Now, what are we thanking him for? There's a lot of things we're going to talk about, our global impact, the number of people that we've reached this year with the gospel. But I just want to give you two statistics that I really am so excited about, two numbers. Now, all of what God has done can can't be measured in numbers, but two that really bless my heart. The first is that we, on average, serve over 1,200 kids per week across our campuses. That is amazing to me that we are able to have that type of impact on the lives of children who are going to shape the next generation. I want to say thanks to all of our kids ministry leaders, and I want to invite you as moms and dads, as member of the local church, to consider serving with our kids. They are so important. And I can't think of a ministry opportunity that has a greater ROI, return on investment, than serving our children. Also, tonight, get a chance to celebrate with you baptisms. You know, baptisms are one of those clear moments where we see God at work and lives being changed. This year, hundreds of men and women were baptized at one of our Woodside campuses. As a matter of fact, just shy of 400 men and women professed publicly their faith in Jesus through baptism. We're going to celebrate that. Tonight, we're also going to have a baptism. It's going to be incredible. For the kids, it's going to be fun. We got inflatables, laser tag, and so much more. So don't miss tonight. It all happens at 6 p.m. There's also the business of approving the church's budget, voting in elders, and so much more. 
that, that is a part of being a member of a local church. So please come and be with us at our Troy campus. Well, I just want to take a moment to talk to you about living with passion, in particular, living with a passion for the gospel. Have you ever noticed how jobs look different when people do them with passion versus when they don't? You know, when somebody does life with passion, people take notice. But when they don't live with passion, they're easily forgettable. You know, my example of this is a good friend of mine who I went to college with. Her name is Sharice Miles. She's become known as a singing flight attendant. You know, Sharice works for Southwest Airlines, and she has the responsibility, among many, of doing that mundane task of sharing with her passengers the safety procedures before the flight takes off. Now, all of us who've flown know how easily and forgettable that moment can be. Half the people are still on their cell phones, making final calls to loved ones. Some are social, uh, searching and scrolling their social media feeds. Others may have already kicked into their nap for the flight. And most don't even grab that little card, instructional card, that's placed in the seat pocket in front of you with all the diagrams on what to do in case of emergency. You know, Charisse noticed that most of her passengers weren't listening to this vital and important information. Here she was sharing life-changing information to a group that was totally unenthused. So how did she solve the problem? What did she do? Well, she decided to sing. Charisse has an amazing voice. I would even say a magnificent voice. And she brought that passion to what would be otherwise an easily overlooked task. She began to sing for all of her passengers the flight instructions and those safety uh, instructions as well. And you know what she noticed as her magnificent voice floated through the cabin? That people were hanging on every word. They were listening. And what was the difference? Simply that she brought passion to her purpose in life. She brought passion to life. And that's exactly what you and I are called to do. You know, there's this quote that I love. It's from John Piper. He uh, wrote the book, Don't Waste Your Life. I love that book. And he says this, the wasted life is a life without passion. Now, there's more to that quote. I'm going to come back to it in just a moment. But I agree with him. I also agree that the converse is true, that when you live with a passion, you can change the world and certainly capture the heart of people. Think about how many people we follow and help us to have interest in things we otherwise wouldn't have interest in, but we do simply because of their passion. How many people watch the Food Network just to see people like Emerald Lagasse cook these amazing meals with passion? I got to be honest with you. I don't really love cooking, but I love hearing him say bam as he throws a new spice into a delicious meal that he's preparing. Or what about Chip and Joanna Gaines? I mean, I watch them and it makes me want to renovate houses and, and flip houses. And I don't even like fixing up things, but it's just their passion and their creativity that helps to draw me in? Or how many have ever thought about going on some extreme expedition because they saw one of the episodes of one of the shows that Bear Grylls is featured in? You know, people who live with a passion capture our attention. And we're called to live with a passion as well. John Piper goes on to say this, God created us to live with a single passion, the joyful display of his supremacy and excellence in all spheres of life. 
I believe that's true, that God has called you and I to live with a passion. Now, what does the Bible say about living with passion? Well, scripture uses the word zeal. In Romans chapter 12, verse number 11, Paul says to the Roman Christians, never be lacking in zeal. Don't ever lack in passion. But in Galatians chapter four, verse number 18, the apostle Paul says this, it is good to have zeal if it's for a good purpose. It's good to have zeal as long as the purpose is good. So what is the greatest purpose for us to be zealous or passionate about? Well, my friends, it's simple. It's about God. It's about Jesus. It's about knowing him and making him known. In other words, you and I are called to live with a passion for the gospel. We need role models and examples of what that looks like. So today I want to give you one quick example, and it's a group of Christians that's recorded in scripture. They were living in a city called Thessalonica. They were the Thessalonian Christians. Paul absolutely loved this little church that had a powerful impact because they were comprised of believers that had a passion for the gospel. I love them because that's what my prayer is for our church, that Woodside would be a church that has a passion for the gospel. A little bit about this church, we first introduced to them in Acts chapter 17. And in verses one through four, what we see is that Paul spent three weeks on his second missionary journey in this city called Thessalonica. He reasoned with them from the scriptures and a new church was born in three weeks time. Let's read this real quickly. It says in Acts chapter 17, verse number one. Now, when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul went in and as was his custom. And on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead and saying, this Jesus, whom I proclaim to you, is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of the devout uh, Greeks and not a few of the leading women. Man, Paul, in an amazing way, used by the Holy Spirit, explains how the Torah, the Old Testament scriptures, support the Messiahship of Jesus. And what happened? Some Jews believe, some Greeks believe, leading women begin to believe, and this young church was birthed. Now, what would you expect the future of a church that came into being after three short weeks with this type of diversity? Uh, what do you expect their future to be? Well, for most of us, we would expect that they wouldn't last too long, that this church would maybe even flail out. But the opposite is true. What we find is that this church went on to have a big impact for the gospel. And it was because they had a great passion to know Christ and to make him known. They had a passion for the gospel. And I believe that you and I can have a similar impact as a church family if we have a passion for the gospel as well. As a matter of fact, I want you to look with me to a letter that Paul wrote to these same Christians, the church at Thessalonica, the Thessalonian Christians. Go with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, Paul opens up by saying, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, 
grace to you and peace. He goes on to say, we give thanks to God always for all of you constantly mentioning you in our prayers. You know, there's so much that's packed into those two verses, but I simply want to highlight one clear message that Paul is sending, and that is, I'm thankful for the church. Paul, in his pastoral heart, was so thankful for this church of Thessalonian Christians. He was grateful for so many things that they had done. He he was overjoyed about them. He literally says, I thank God for all of you every time I think of you before the Lord. You know, if you go over just one chapter to chapter two, verse number 20, he goes on to share more about how he felt about this church of Thessalonians. He says in chapter two, verse number 20, for you are our glory and our joy. In other words, when we stand before God, it's you that we're going to brag about. And when we think about you, our hearts fill with joy. That's what every church should hope that their pastors feel about them. I certainly know I speak on behalf of your campus pastor when I say that's how we feel about you. It's such a joy to pastor here at Woodside, to pastor a church that's hungry for the word, a church that is committed to not just being hearers, but those who apply the word of God, a humble church who is radically compassionate, generous to spreading the gospel, and absolutely in love with Jesus. Thank you for making it easy to pastor here at Woodside. And like Paul, I know that all of us as pastors thank God for you, and you are our joy. I wish that was true for every pastor, that every pastor was uh, joyful when they thought about their church. I wish that was true about Paul, that every church that he oversaw brought him joy. But the fact of the matter is, Scripture tells us another story. Think about the Corinthians. For those of you who know Scripture, Paul had to challenge and correct them over and again for their divisions, their immaturities, and their worldliness. Think about, for example, the Galatians. Paul had to write them an entire letter about not being self-righteous, putting confidence in your own self to save yourself and your own deeds instead of trusting in Jesus, making you judgmental towards others. Or think about the, the Philippians. Paul had to write to them in order to correct them because there were two women, leading women in their church, that had such a sharp disagreement that their dispute was threatening to divide the entire church. No, every church that Paul oversaw didn't bring him joy, but this one brought him joy. What was it? It was their passion for the gospel. So how do you know that you are passionate for the gospel? Well, Paul gives three ways we can know that we are passionate for the gospel, that the gospel has literally not only seized our hearts, but also become the center of our lives. I want to share those with you quickly. The first way we know is that the gospel has come to us. What do I mean by that? Well, look at verses three through five. Paul goes on to say, remembering before our God and Father, your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you, not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. I want you to hear what Paul just said. Paul said that we know you're chosen by God. 
And how do we know you're chosen by God? Because the gospel came to you. That's his way of saying, we know you're chosen by God by the way you received the gospel, how hungry you were for the word of God. And this was a hungry group. This was a group that was hungry to be taught the gospel, hungry for the pure, sincere meat of the word of God. They wanted truth without any type of error or distraction or uh, carnality or social thought or pop psychology. What they wanted to know is, what does God have to say about life, about everything that's important, about the present and about my future? I hope that's true about you as well. And you know that this group was hungry because of the way the word of God came to them. It didn't just come to them in truth, but Paul says it came in power, full of the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. It was as if the word of God was being drawn out of Paul and the apostles by this hungry group of Christians. I certainly know what that's like. Any pastor can tell you what it's like to stand before a group that really isn't hungry for the word. You can be prayed up and studied up. You can be prepared, but your words will fall on deaf ears. Every statement will be arduous. Every moment will be hard. There are so many times when I've had to preach to people who weren't hungry and there wasn't much there uh, to really allow them to uh, grow and develop. Praise God that the word is always true, but their hunger was missing. But conversely, you know what it's like when a group is hungry. There's been times when I've been tired and exhausted, but yet I had to stand before a group of people to preach the word of God. And those hungry souls literally drew the word out of me. It was more than just my preparation. The Lord was honoring them and their hunger for the truth. Well, this is true for the uh, Christians in Thessalonica. These Thessalonian Christians were hungry for the word. What about you? What about you? Are you hungry for the word of God? You know, so much of what happens in a worship service, it's not the pastor's fault, not the worship leader's fault. It's based off of our hunger. God honors our hunger. Woodside, let's be a hungry church for the word. You know, recently I was in the online chat for teachers and a question was posed to them. Name your best student and why that was your best student. Well, my parents were teachers and I uh, watched this with full intent. I wanted to know what teachers thought were the qualities of their best students and two characteristics emerged. First, the best students are hardworking students. Secondly, they're persevering students, students who aren't easily discouraged by life or by the subject matter, but they press on through even the tough times. They have a good work ethic and they're persevering. Well, that's exactly what Paul says about this group in verse number three. He says that uh, remembering before God and our father, your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope. This was a group that worked from faith. Because they trusted God and knew he loved them, they were a group that served God, not to be saved, but because they were saved. They labored in love. They loved God and one another, and that caused them to live sacrificially for them and for the gospel. And they were steadfast. They persevered. They held on to their faith, even in a culture that tried to get them to let go of their love for Jesus, all because they had a passion for the gospel. Well, 
How else do we know we have a passion for the gospel? Well, the second way we know is not only that the gospel has come to us, but that the gospel has changed us. I want you to see how the gospel changed the Thessalonians. Look at verses six and seven, and then we'll look at verses nine and 10 together. Verse six reads as this, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. Verse nine. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. And I love these Christians. I love them because their story is they weren't just hearers of the word. They were doers of the word as well. The gospel had changed them. They used to be known as idol worshipers, literally, not just figuratively, but they were worshiping false gods and all that came along with that. Now, during this time and age, to worship a false god also had moral implications. You see, the gods of the age were always immoral, sexually immoral, financially immoral, ethically immoral. So that means that these people would have not only had wrong worship, they would have had wrong ethics as well. Now, Paul says, everyone knows and can see that you have changed, that you no longer worship those false idols. You're no longer sexually promiscuous. You're no longer financially irresponsible. You're no longer immoral, but you are honoring God to the best of your ability. What a beautiful thing. Now, how did this happen in their life? Well, three things that Paul gives. Number one, they became followers or imitators of their leaders. Specifically, they became imitators of Paul and the apostles. I just want to apply that to us. I pray that you are looking at and following the examples of the leaders on your campus. Not just your pastor, but the local elders there at the campus, the deacons and deaconesses, the men and women who have walked with Jesus for a season, those who have proven to have a life of fruitfulness before God. You know, Paul commends them for their faithfulness to the word of God and to the Lord. They followed not only their local leaders, but they followed the examples of the apostles themselves. And I want to encourage you to do that as well. You know, leaders are great to follow. It's always good to uh, follow the example, the good example of pastors and deacons and elders. But what if we err? What if we go off the wrong path? Every day when you wake up, you can look on Twitter or a news feed, Facebook or wherever, and you can find stories of pastors who have blown it, fallen from grace. So what is your protection from that? It is to follow the word of God and the examples of the apostles. Follow their example by studying the word, because as you do, and you look at the word of God and you ask yourself, is what's happening in here happening in me, then you will be changed just like they were. But notice he also talked about how their view of tomorrow shaped their today. They were changed because they were eagerly longing for the return of Christ, he says, and to wait for his son from heaven, who he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath that is to come. Listen, they were looking forward to the return of Jesus. Don't keep your eye. Don't take your eye off of tomorrow. Keep your eyes on Jesus. He's coming back. He's coming back. Praise God he's coming back. And when he does, he's going to reward those 
who remain faithful to him. Let that change you. Let the gospel change you. Friends, that's why I encourage you uh, to get in life groups and get in classes. Come to corporate worship every time you get a chance so that you can get the deposit of the word of God in you. You can be around other believers who will be a wonderful example. and You can be changed, too. I don't care what your background is. I don't care what addictions are a part of your life. I don't care what problems have been patterns in your life. God's power is greater than the sin that has its grip on you. As a matter of fact, I love this statement that what Jesus did on Calvary is greater than anything that happens here on earth. There's no sin in your life that's greater than what he's done on Calvary. So keep your eyes on him and you can be changed. Well, the final way that we know that we have a passion for the gospel is not only how the gospel comes to us and that the gospel changes us, but that the gospel goes out from us. All this gets me excited. Look at verse number eight. It says, for not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. Paul had just commended them for being an example. This was a model church who became an example for believers in their local region and around the world. But this was also a sending church, a church that had a passion for the gospel to go out locally through the men and women of their church, reaching their neighbors and their families, but also globally by supporting the global spread of the gospel. I pray that that's true about Woodside. That has been our history. One of the reasons I love our church is our commitment to reaching our friends, our family members, our neighbors with the good news of Jesus Christ, loving them. This is the reason why our life groups are here, so that we can partner with other believers in our local church to reach our neighbors, to serve our community, to show them the love of Jesus so that gospel doors can be opened up. This is also the reason why we support global missions. And tonight, when we gather for our annual celebration, I want to talk to you about the hundreds of thousands of lives that have been changed through our support of global missions. So Woodside, I just want to say, like the Apostle Paul said to the Thessalonian Christians, I thank God for you. And so do all of our pastors. Let's live in the days to come with an increasing passion for the gospel. And I know that if we do, God will use us to be an example to believers in our region and even beyond. And by his grace, he'll use us to spread the gospel around the world. It's such a joy being with you in the word. I just pray that God will encourage you. And as our campus pastors take us forward, just know I love you. And I can't wait to see you at tonight's annual celebration. God bless and have a great day.